Hey, my name is Daniel Wagner. I'm the student pastor here. Uh, if we haven't gotten to meet, that's who I am. So today we're continuing the second week of a two-week series called Babel Technology Boundaries in a Brave New World. Last week, Nick Crawford, our community groups pastor, talked about created order. And uh, thanks, David. Appreciate that. Uh, it talked about created order and how sometimes as uh, people we put the creation in front of the creator. We worship the things that God has given us uh, and we prioritize our own self above God. Uh, echoes of things that you'll hear uh, today as we think about how to navigate technology. Now technology by definition is anything that you use uh, a tool to accomplish a task. So back in the day, a uh, stick with a pointy rock at the end of it was technology. Uh, Technology is things now like a car or uh, a couple of weeks ago to clean out some of the bushes on this side of the property to open this place up. Uh, we rented a backhoe and uh, I drove a backhoe. Some of you probably question my ability to drive a backhoe because of the way that I look and that's okay. You're wrong. I'm pretty good. Uh, just because I have tight pants doesn't mean I don't know how to operate heavy construction equipment. Um, that's Mississippi, man. Anything can happen. So things like that, that's, a, that's technology. But when we say technology for the sake of this series, we are really talking about uh, this thing. A phone, uh, TV in some instances, and the internet. Uh, this world of connectivity that we live in, where you can have anything you want the second you want it. This instant gratification media culture that we live in. Uh, I didn't do this in the first service, so you guys are up for a special treat. Uh, it used to be more simple, right? That's, that's what people tell me. Uh, I'm on the, the mid-lower end of 20, uh, so there are a couple numbers you can pick from to, to trust how old I am. Uh, I've been around phones and stuff my whole life, really. Um, my parents told me about bag phones, which I still don't really understand how anybody bought those, um, but apparently that was a thing and very good. Uh, phones in cars, in the center console. Some people who are my age are in doubt with me. Uh, anyway, we, uh, it used to be a lot more simple. Phones used to look like this whenever they were big. This was my first phone, I think one of my first phones. Little flip right there. And if you accidentally did hit the internet button, you would have to hit back a thousand times so that it wouldn't charge you $8,000 that month. Um, and then connectivity got a little bit better with this. This is Motorola Razor. This was, this was it. Guys, if you had this, everybody's here. This is nostalgic, right? Okay. Uh, same thing with the internet, but Bluetooth in this. I have fond memories of uh, Bluetoothing ringtones back and forth with my friends. Um, I had to make sure that I had apple bottom jeans. Like that was like peak, <laughs> peak uh, phone. I don't know if you could go to church anywhere else in America and hear someone say apple bottom jeans. So there you go. Congratulations. And then this, a Blackberry, slightly more professional the iPhone, internet connectivity. This was kind of the first phone that I remember people actually using to get on the internet uh, without astronomical prices. Uh, this led into this iPhone thing that we have now. Um, and I have an even bigger one of these, right? Like we are so connected in everything that we do. Uh, and technology is really a gift. Uh, God has given it to us as a gift for things like rest and recreation, right? We are supposed to enjoy loving and following Jesus. When we have a relationship with him, that doesn't mean that we need to be sad, gloomy people all the time. At Fonner Church, we talk about gospel enjoyment. And we really trust that Jesus has called us into a relationship with him, and that relationship is joyful, and he gives us a peace that surpasses all understanding. So 
to follow Jesus doesn't mean to never have fun or never enjoy things again. I think it's, it's the opposite of that. It just takes shape and has purpose. So with our technology, it's such a gift, right? We get to enjoy and relax and veg out by doing things like watching cat videos on YouTube, right? Like God has, has given us cat videos. Like he's given us things to enjoy and to see what he's done in creation. And we get to connect to things like that on the internet. We get to connect to other people on the internet. Uh, one of my friends passed through town the other day. I'm not that far removed from being in high school, but one of my friends uh, passed through town the other day. He doesn't live here anymore. But as he texted me and said, hey, I'm in Jackson, I know you're living here. Uh, we texted back and forth like we had never stopped hanging out with each other because I knew everything that was going on in his life. We are incredibly connected in a social sphere uh, because of what social media has done for us and what the internet has done for us. Uh, and then in a kingdom way, we get to see that there are incredible ministries happening all over the world. People who address atrocities like human trafficking and the orphan ep epidemic that's sweeping our globe, we get to know that there are people who are making a difference because of how connected we are in technology. Now, this is not as much a sermon about uh, the good and bad of technology because we all know that there's good and bad. Just the social media sphere is a great example for that. Facebook, they give you great things like uh, being able to keep up with people and, and meet uh, new people kind of again whenever you used to know them a long time ago and now you're like, wow, you're the same person you used to be. You get to do things like that because of the power of Facebook. Whenever Hurricane Matthew came through just a couple of months ago, month-ish ago, uh, Facebook launched these massive initiatives to fundraise money to assist in the relief of the devastation that came from Hurricane Matthew. Uh, so there's some good to Facebook, but on the bad end, uh, divorce attorneys are finding more and more common that people are uh, filing for divorce because they rekindled an old flame uh, on Facebook, someone that they used to know that they've uh, entered into an extramarital relationship with. Good, bad, Facebook, Instagram, probably a personal favorite for me. You get to see creativity. You get to see people uh, create uh, who they are and a brand, and you get to see what people do kind of in the highest moments of their life. Uh, filters, you know, that's a creation all in itself. Uh, we, I love Instagram personally, but the negative of that is that we create this, this construct where we value ourselves based on how many people are on the app within a window of time that we are so that they can hit a like button and we get value from whether or not they're even on the app and they like what we do. We, on a, on a like psychological level, connect ourselves to those things. Like we, it's, it's crazy that we care so much, but we do, there's scientific research that we care about what people think about us on the internet. Twitter, Twitter is a great place to get tips and tricks and to be the biggest and the best, but there's so much hate speech alive on Twitter. It's a, a place where people rip each other apart often. Uh, and Snapchat, this applies to 10% of the room, so enjoy yourself. Uh, Snapchat, right? It's a great thing. It's a lot of fun. I like to see what my head would look like if it was a piece of toast. Um, I don't know who doesn't. So if you, you know, want to know what I do in my free time, it's not only that, but that happens sometimes. Uh, but Snapchat, right? Dangerous premise. I'm going to send you a picture and it's going to go away forever. There's good and bad to the internet. This is less about that. Uh, this sermon is less about that, and I'm trusting that through the guidance of the Holy Spirit that you guys will discern for yourselves what's good and bad. We might talk a little at the end, but this is about time. We only have so much time, right? You are busy. We're all busy people, right? No one probably in this moment would say, uh, you know, I could probably do a whole lot more things. For the most part, we are going to believe that we are unbelievably busy. And there's only so much time in a day. Uh, you can't 
make more time, no matter how hard you try. And we only get so much. So in this technology world, as we talk about how to navigate technology as people who love and follow Jesus, we've got to think about how we spend our time. Technology really distracts us and takes us away from connecting with uh, two major parties, with God and with one another. God has called us into a relationship with himself, right? He came into the world, lived a perfect life, and he died to take away the punishment for the sin uh, that we'd committed so that we could have eternal life and a, an abundant life here, right? So we're living in this now with the promise of what's coming and we're trying to live the, the best life we can. We're trying to make our life count the most that we can. We're trying to enjoy God the most and love our neighbor the most. The greatest commandment is to know God with everything that you are, to love your neighbor as yourself. Your neighbor is anyone around you. So the technology that we have, these distractions, uh, this, this culture that we live in, that this thing in front of my face demands all of my time, all of my attention. This thing that's the next best thing, the thing that's going to satisfy what I want, the thing that's going to keep me entertained, very easily that good thing can become an idol. The way that we connect with God and with one another is hindered by technology. We'll look at two examples of things that Jesus did uh, that can guide us, and then we'll get to a place where we talk about our lives. So let's look at this first passage. Uh, It's in Luke chapter 5. But now, even more, the report about him went abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. This is about Jesus uh, right on the, this, this passage follows Jesus uh, casting an unclean spirit out of a man. Jesus just did an incredible work. Uh, and before that in Luke and throughout the entire ministry of Jesus, Jesus was known for healing people, for giving the blind back their sight, for people who were paralytic, healing them so that they could get up and walk again, casting demons out of people. And this work that Jesus had done had become widely known. It was renowned, known abroad. So people came to see Jesus. So Jesus was very, very busy doing his work. If you look at any of the New Testament books, any of the Gospels, you will see very clearly that Jesus was always doing something for people. He made a habit of withdrawing to desolate places and praying. If you'll let me nerd out for like one and a half minutes, the Greek there, the original language there, paints a picture that this was something that Jesus did consistently and with priority. He kept withdrawing to desolate places to keep praying. Jesus valued this. And if Jesus needed to get away, Lord knows we need to get away. Our phones and media around us sucks us in right? We are all victims of this. I am such a victim of this. We get home, long day. We're tired, right? You go home to whatever, whatever chair you sit in, whatever your zone is. You sit down. One of the first things that happens, reach for a remote, TV, or phone, scroll, and you're scrolling for years, hours. You can feel your life. It's one cat video after another, like <laughs> One, one juju on that beat video after another. It's for the younger crowd. We'll, we'll talk later. Uh, like, it's just all so much, and you get sucked into it. Uh, the Bureau of Labor uh, and Statistics did a, a study recently about the way that Americans spend their time. These are 2015 numbers, but I think that it's the same world, probably. Uh, the average American spends two hours and 40 minutes a night watching television, and one hour and 40 minutes on uh, internet, connected, social media kind of spheres. 
So it's two hours and 40 minutes, one hours and 40 minutes. And those are averages. So for some of you, you're like, no, that is not me. And for others of you, you're like, I feel pretty good about myself if it's only an hour and 40 minutes. <laughs> we, like I'm me, we get sucked into those things. We let those things be the refuge that we go to whenever the days are long and we need a break. Those are the things that start our day to inspire us. And the example that Jesus sets for us is very, very different. Jesus knew that when he was done doing a lot of work, that he was about to do a lot of work. And he set a priority to get away and to spend time with God. And the second is to spend time with other people. Uh, let's look at this next passage, also in Luke. Uh, now about eight days after these sayings, he took with him, Jesus took with him, Peter and John and James, and went up on the mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face was altered, and his clothing became dazzling white. And behold, two men were talking with him, Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now, Peter and those who were with him, James and John, were very, were heavy with sleep. But when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. So Jesus, uh, after these sayings, is referring to Jesus talking about uh, his eventual death and resurrection. This is Peter, uh, just recently, right before this happened, eight days before, uh, proclaimed that Jesus was the Son of God. He was the Messiah. He was the one who'd come to save them from their sins. And these guys were kind of Jesus' inner circle, Peter, James, and John. Jesus took time to intentionally invest in them. He had disciples around him and then he had the crowd around the disciples. So Jesus had a lot of people in his circles, but these were the, guy that he, the guys that he invested in intentionally and significantly. So this uh, event that we call the transfiguration, an incredible time where God was con Jesus was confirmed as who he was, that he really was who he said he was, where he became filled with glory and was met by Elijah and Moses incredible things that people can't question who he is because of that incredible act and others. He invited Peter and James and John into that moment with him. He did not have to take them up the mountain with him. Most likely, it was a lot of work. Peter had a habit of putting his foot in his mouth very often. Uh, James and John kind of thought they were better than everybody else sometimes. So Jesus, Jesus could have very, very easily said, well, these guys are going to be a lot of work. Peter's probably going to talk all the way up the mountain, try to think he's better than them. James and John are quietly probably going to think that they're better than Peter. They might not walk as fast as me. I mean, there were, there were things that Jesus could have done to have kept them away from that moment. But he, with great intentionality, saw the value that this would give to Peter and to James and to John. And we're the same way. We have people in our life. We have friends and family and roommates and coworkers and neighbors, people who we live our life next to. And we get so busy, so distracted by the phone, by the technology, that we will spend more time on those things instead of being intentional with the people who God has put around us. Just like Jesus very easily could have said, that's gonna take a lot of work. I'd rather do this on my own. I'd rather for us stay here, keep scrolling, be detached, not lean in. It's going to take too much work. Jesus was very intentional with those people. Uh, we distract ourselves from spending intentional time with other people that God has put in our lives because of technology. 
It's just who we are and what we do. It's who I am and what I do. I'm in a, a, a pretty early season in my life. Uh, my wife and I have been married for about a year and a half. No kids. We got a lot of time, right? That's what people tell us. Like, I, but it's still, my job, I got a pretty great job. I'm here. They really take care of me. You know, like, I don't, you know, I work. But anyway, whatever. You can ask me about my personal life later. <laughs> I work. We all work. Blah, blah, blah. Okay. All that to say, like, uh, I'm not staying up crunching numbers all night long for the next day. Um, with people, that's really a, a gift to me. Like, I love being around people and spending time with them and love getting to work with middle and high school students. I mean, I've got a good thing going on, and I still opt to pick up this instead of spend time with my wife or my neighbors or my friends because it's easy. We fall victim to the thing that's in front of us. We think that whatever's next, uh, whatever's in front of us is the best thing. We love the convenience, and that's where we find our rest and our recharge and our purpose, what we live for sometimes, instead of in Jesus. I'm a victim of that. So what do we do about it? I think that there are a couple of passages uh, that really give us some wisdom as to how we can navigate this whole technology world thing. Here's the first one. It's in 1 Corinthians. Uh, All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Whenever God spoke this to the Corinthians, it was in the context of them living in their city and trying to figure out how to best live in their city. Uh, There were issues of festivals to celebrate or to participate in and not to participate in uh, and food to eat or not eat. And the the rule really is the same here for us. Uh, The phone is a good thing. The connectedness, the rest, the recreation that we find in technology, it's a good thing under control. Uh, But what's good in doses and under control can be really bad in excess. It's the same for the Corinthians, and it's the same for us. What can be good in doses and under control can be bad in excess. We very often are excessive people, right? We start something and we don't stop. But what we need is discipline. Check out this next passage. It's in Philippians 3. Here we go. But whatever gain I had, I counted it as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. We all have gifts and abilities and talents and blessings, things that God has given to us. And so often, like we talked about last week, we can put the created thing over the creator. We can make those things our priority. We can very easily turn to technology to fill something that's happening in our lives, to keep us going instead of turning to Jesus and him being our refuge and the place that we find who we are and what we're about. It's so easy. It's so easy. What we need as a people is technology discipline. We need technology discipline. Nobody likes the idea of discipline. That passage, when you read it, you're like, all things, loss, Compared to Jesus, uh, like, is there some gray area there where I can kind of, you know, have a couple things at number one? Uh, 
we are so good at kind of squirming out of things as people. I am very good at squirming out of things in my own life. But we need technology discipline. We all know about discipline uh, in a good way, right? We hear discipline your kids and it's like, uh, I don't know, I'd rather not be disciplined as an adult. But there's good discipline, right? There's physical discipline. Yesterday we had a lot of stuff going on in this parking lot right here and around the neighborhood in the Fondren Ultra Marathon. Um, I'm tired just saying the words Fondren Ultra Marathon. Uh, they ran a really, really long way yesterday. Some of the crew ran 50 miles yesterday. I don't know that I've driven 50 miles in the last week. I don't know that I've ever run 50 miles in my life. Um, the reason that I don't do marathons is because the first person who ran a marathon died. So there's that for you. If you have run marathons and you've survived, congratulations. I would not. I would surely die. Um, 50 miles physical discipline. But if I did decide that I would risk, you know, potentially dying running a marathon, I probably wouldn't get up and run 26.2 miles. I would probably pace myself and start slowly. We think discipline works a different way. There's financial discipline, right? Some of you are really good with money and numbers. I'm so thankful for you because I don't math. I just can't do it. I just look and Things move, it's just not good. But there's financial discipline, right? Why? Because we want to be good stewards of the thing that God has given us, right? We know that it takes money to live and God has given us um, money and we want to be good stewards of the things that he's given us. Um, there's financial discipline. And then there's the spiritual disciplines, which we talk about, right? Like we mentioned before, getting away, solitude is a spiritual discipline. Reading the Bible, prayer, journaling. Those things are spiritual disciplines that we practice. Why? Because we want to be more like Jesus. We see, okay, when we, when we slow down and we do these things, these things are gonna help me be more like you, Jesus. So we practice the spiritual disciplines, but we are not always good at technology discipline. Often the things that uh, we keep in our pocket can enslave us. Um, our phones and our TV and our always present media can tell us what to do instead of the other way around. We live in a world of phantom vibrations where you've had your phone in your pocket for so long that you feel like it's ringing even when it's not ringing. Uh, and if that's not a problem in my life, I don't know what is. I don't even have my phone right now, but I probably felt like it rang a couple of times. Uh, that's the world we live in. Like we feel so much connectedness. We don't do a great job stepping outside of that to enjoy the things that God has given us. This is the part where I thought, okay, how, how can we together as the church help you guys be better at uh, life and following Jesus? The responsibility of the church is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. That's you guys. So we thought, I thought long and hard about a couple of things that we could do. Practical steps. And I'll point you to a couple of resources uh, first. It's there. Uh, there are great people who have done uh, work all around. This is a very well-studied topic, technology dependency and technology limits. Uh, it's really well studied in the secular world. There are people who are much, much smarter than I will ever be in my entire life who've done uh, studies and have seen the psychological uh, back and forth that happens with phones and dependencies and they give great counsel. Uh, a couple of Christian ministries that have really been influential in the way that I've kind of limited my own technology uh, is uh, Desiring God. It's the ministry of John Piper who's been very influential in my life. Uh, and the Gospel Coalition, which is the work of uh, Timothy Keller and Don Carson. Uh, they're, they're all great guys who saw the thing that we all see, 
Um, okay, this phone is owning me. Um, this internet is owning me. How do I get my life back? Uh, so those are places that if, if this is you and you want to know more about this, you can go there. Um, they've got a wealth of resources about how to practically navigate this technological world for the glory of God. Uh, this, these are a couple of things that I think uh, is very, very good, very practical for us, um, things that I've implemented in my own life uh, that I need to do better at, but here they are. Uh, one, to set technology-free zones in your home. So you know when and where you use what you use. You know when and where uh, you really get sucked in and your life kind of stops becoming yours and kind of starts becoming technologies. You know where those places are. So put up some practical boundaries of, okay, when I'm in this room, I'm only gonna do this for so long. Or when I'm, when I'm at the dinner table, I'm not gonna use my phone. Last week, Nick referenced the Chick-fil-A phone coop that sits on the end of the table. That premise is great. It says we value this more than we value the small screen. So we, as a people, need to set uh, technology-free zones. Then to set personal usage, uh, personal goals on our usage and keep up with them. Uh, did usage too many times. Um, set personal goals on your usage and keep up with them. We need to know how much we're using the phone uh, and you can do that by monitoring your use. Number three, uh, it's terrifying. Most phones now, chances are your phone has this capability in the battery section of your phone or somewhere in the settings battery, you know, you kind of go like eight tabs deep on your phone. Uh, in the battery section, there's something that breaks down your phone usage by percentage. Uh, which is what they do to you to try to make you feel like it's okay how much you've been using your phone, there's a button you can always click and it'll switch the percentages to minutes and hours. Uh, and it is terrifying how much I'm on my phone. So maybe it'll be terrifying for you too, who knows? Uh, but it is, it'll show you the minutes and the hours that you're on your phone. But you need to know what you wanna use, when you wanna use it, what you don't wanna use, when you don't wanna use it. We've gotta do a better job of controlling our own life and not letting the phone control us. Uh, does anybody remember when Words with Friends was a thing? Okay, Words, there we go, okay, great. I'm good at games like that, I don't know why. Maybe it's the senior adult in me coming to life that I'm good at Scrabble. So I thought, okay, Words with Friends, this is gonna be great. I'm gonna own all my friends with my Scrabble abilities. It's gonna be great. So I started playing uh, slowly, you know, like you do. You don't, you have to connect to different people on um, games and you know they, it has to become like the end thing for you really to play a lot. Um, and this was a, a fairly traumatic moment in my life. So I, uh, you, you laugh now, it's crazy, you're gonna die. Okay, here we go. Uh, I got Words With Friends rolling one day, sat down on the couch. It was when I was in college, so I had a, had a free day, um, freer day. So I sat down at 3.30 and started playing Words With Friends and the next time I got up from the couch, it was 6.30, and I had sat for three hours owning my friends in Scrabble. Uh, that thing owned me, and I know there are stories for each of us just like that, where we've been a slave to our devices, where the things that we're supposed to be using are using and controlling us. But to honor Jesus in everything we do, we need to be technology disciplined. We need to take practical steps towards living our life for him more and more. Because we've only got so much time and God's called us to great things. Here's one last passage, it's Ephesians 2.10. It goes like this. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We're his workmanship, created for good works, which he prepared beforehand 
that we should walk in them. God has given us uh, each passions and talents and abilities. He's given us skills, things we care about, things that he wants us to do, ways that he wants us to love him more and love our neighbor more. But with this technology world that we live in, we're so often distracted from those things. Our time is competed for. We're being pulled from every direction. And the one thing that I want to say to you, the one encouragement I want to give you today is to not let your fear of missing out cause you to miss out on what God has for you. Don't let your fear of missing out cause you to miss out on what God has for you. He's prepared things for us to do. He's made you who you are so that you can bless the people around you, so that you can bless him. And with the technology world that we live in, we so often waste our time, waste our days. I waste my time, waste my days. So let's love him more by spending our time better. And let's not let this fear we have of missing out cause us to miss out on things that God has for us. Let's take steps to discipline ourselves, to be less about the small screen and more about loving God and more about loving people. Let's pray.